Happy Father's Day to all you fathers, and uh, today we don't want to forget, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be his name, amen. Uh, turn to the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Today I want to share with you something that I believe is the key to being a great father. Um, you know, I've got a 20-year-old daughter, who she'll be 21 in October, and, and Cammie will be 11 in uh, August, Right? Yeah, her mother says yes. All their birthdays are August, September, October, so I'm always getting them confused. And, uh, you know, there's some things that I can say I've done well as a father, and then there's things that, that uh, especially in my oldest, right, the trial run kid, that, that I could go back and say that I wished I had done better. And we, uh, there's, you know, as a father, you know, my first daughter, she was just a, her and my second, they're just different. You know, and their personalities and things. And uh, and I wasn't much helpful for my first one because I just got out of the Marine Corps, right? So I thought, well, if you beat it, kill it, destroy it, it'll fix the problem. And, you know, like, so if she didn't want to go down the slide at Lake Tejas, I'm going to push you off that slide at Lake Tejas. And uh, and I just came to realize, dude, you know, and my, gr- and my girls like me and her mom, you're, you're hard-headed too. We're both hard-headed uh, or strong-willed. You know, I noticed about my girls. How many of you ever said, man, try this, this ice cream. This is the best stuff you ever ate. And they said, nope. And you try to beg them, bribe them, and all that. I, I never was able to change their mind, so I just quit. I just took their first answer. This, this, this is the way history is going to be, and I'm not going to fight you over it, you know. If you don't want to ride that ride, have this fun, eat this food, then that's fine, you know. And I just quit doing things like that instead of stressing myself out, you know. Trying to change their opinions, you know, about things, not things that were based on rebellion and whatnot. But, but I've learned a lot uh, about being a father, and, uh, and I find still in my life uh, times where I fall short as a father simply because, because I fall short of being a son. And I believe this, that, think about it, what, what is the role of a father? To produce godly offspring, right? And if we cannot be godly offspring, then how are we to produce godly offspring? How can we replicate something in our children that we're not? You see, I believe a lot of people, we, we try to raise our kids based on, like, our, our uh, conveniences. You know, what, what's, what's easy for us. And you know what? Love is not, doing, is not doing what is easy for others. It is doing what's difficult sometimes for others. You know, that's why we go to work and we sweat and we labor to provide for our kids. But, you know, they're, they're, believe it or not, and you, you probably agree with me, there are things that are, that are even more important than food and housing. The Scripture talks about, you know, better is, better is uh, you know, uh, little with, with peace in your house than lots with strife in your house. You know, there's Scriptures that would allude to that. And uh, so there's more to than, than just possessions and having things. Uh, there's a quality of life that, that God wants us to grow up and attain in our life. And, uh, but the thing is, is that he, he has his ways of teaching us how to attain those things when we're hard-headed or when we're rebellious or when we refuse to see. And so today, I, I, the, today my word is this, is to be a good father, we must be good sons. Amen? We've got to be good at what we're trying to reproduce. And, and the problem is, I think we get older, we, when we become the title holder, we think that we're beyond growing, and we, real, we forget that, hey, we're, until we die, if we're here for eternity, we are sons 
of God. Amen? We're His sons. And He is our Father. And, and we never need to forget that, that we're never in a place where we don't need someone speaking into our lives, someone disciplining us when we need it, someone encouraging us even. But life, is, it's got, it, life takes all that. And I believe as Christians today, we got this mentality that if it's godly, it's going to feel good, it's going to be pain-free, and it's not going to cost me anything, it's just going to be easy. Right? There's people out there teaching those things, and I'm here to tell you, no, that's, that's not the case. Do I think God created us just so that we could be miserable? No. God has a peace that passes all understanding. You know, in His presence, there is joy beyond measure. You see, all, there are good things, but they're connected to Him. They're in His presence. They're in His wisdom, and they're in His way. And I do believe God wants, I do believe, you know, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, a lot of people use that, you know, that, you know in, and I think in a wrong way. But, but the whole point of that is this, is God's giving a promise that's not going to be fulfilled yet because they didn't seek him with their whole heart. And, uh, and, but also, uh, so, so the deal is, is when they really and truly turn to God, they're going to see a good change in their life. But, so God wants to bless his people, but not at the expense of the relationship. God is about growth. God is about change. God is, God is not about mansions and and, and wealth and all those things. Uh, the wealth is this, is that God has everything I need and he'll give it to me as I need it. Amen? God's not going to send a bank truck up to my house today because I gave one time. God's going to bless me as I faithfully trust him in my relationships, in my fatherhood, in my, my, my being a husband, in giving, and all those things as I trust him. I can trust him. And, uh, and I believe on one degree, you know, we do, people get too caught up into the blessings. But on the other end, we are required to live a life of faith that is rewarded as we walk in this faith. Amen? And, um, but today I want to talk to you about, about the fatherhood of God and, and, and how we need to submit to that fatherhood in levels that we've never submitted before. Uh, we may need to even submit to our earthly fathers like we've never submitted before in honor and all those things. And, uh, you know, I think when, once we get the title, we, we fail to, to see, well, he, he, he can't speak wisdom into my life anymore. Uh, there's also spiritual fathers that God gives us in our lives. There's men that molded and made me who I am today, but I had to decide, am I going to listen to them? Do I even give them the, the right to speak into my life? And so I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 through 6. And I want you to remember this. We cannot reproduce something that we are not. If we are terrible sons or terrible daughters, we cannot reproduce something that we are not. And I believe this. To be a good father, we must be good sons. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. We'll start there. And there, there are just three things I want to share with you today as we go through, uh, through verses 3 through 13. But verse 3 says this, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have, not, have you not forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And this is what it says, and this is also said in Proverbs. It says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. So we're not to regard it lightly. We're to take it seriously, right? We're not just to throw it off or think, well, okay, 
no big deal. You know, we're, we're to think about it. We're to reflect. What is God trying to do in my life? It says, do not be weary when reproved by him. In other words, when we are rebuked by God's word. Now, can we be rebuked by God, by God through someone else? Yeah, I mean, somebody, uh, 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 I mean, I could be preaching and, and it, could, it could go against the way you think or feel, but, but I read it from the word of God. I don't, even, I don't even have to put my opinion into it. But, and that's the kind of people you want speaking into your life, people who aren't just speaking their opinions or their thoughts or their experiences, but people who are, who are speaking the truth of God into your life. Because God created Adam and Eve, and he said, y'all multiply, and, and he says that it was for godly offspring. And so, now, we're not to take the, the reins on our own, but we're to reproduce the fatherhood of God. And how many of you noticed that, how many of you have realized how affected you are in your walk with God because of the relationship with your father? We all are, I think, to some degree. And, and the reality is, God wants us to reflect a relationship with our kids so that he can have a relationship with our kids. And so they can understand. But it goes back to us being able to be a son or a daughter with God and, and being able to walk with him. It says, verse 6, it says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And when you start really looking at these words, it gets a little kind of like, whoa, never really saw it that way. So if God disciplines the ones that he loves, and, and which sons get chastised? Which ones? All of them. Every son. Every son. Well, dang. That means we're all going to get some of this. And I looked up the word chastisement. You know what it, say, you know what, you know what it defined it as? Great, really good words. To flog, to whip, to scourge, to punish. Man, I have never been so excited to read the word in my life. God flogs, whips, and punishes everyone whom he receives as his child. And you're like, oh my goodness. What happened to this big, pleasant, happy guy that just does good things all the time in our lives? Let's think about this. What do your kids do when they do stupid stuff and you rebuke them or you spank them or whatever? What do they do? They don't let the moment go, man, you're the best person that I've ever met. Hope, I mean, I, I mean, sometimes kids get mad and they say some pretty mean, hurtful things to us, you know, which means we probably need, just need to keep on until they break down, until they tap out. You know, if you're going to listen, if you're going to take time to discipline the kid, you got to do it until they tap out. Because if you don't, then they win and they'll be ready for the next go around and they'll be throwing you like a bucking bronco, you know, thinking, well, you know, if I just hang in there long enough, and, uh, and, and here's the sad reality is we as adults are no different than our kids. We have our hard-headedness. We have our attitudes. We have our desires. We have this flesh. And, you know, God didn't just die so that we can spend an eternity in, I mean, Jesus didn't send his son to die so that we could spend an eternity in heaven only. He sent his son to die that we may have life to the full. And what that meant is full of him, full of heaven, full of the Holy Spirit, and, and less of hell. You know, we, we use that term, I'm, I'm going to beat the hell out of you, you know, to our kids. And uh, that's truer than you realize. That's what we're doing. We're trying to discipline something out of them, the flesh, that, that doesn't need to be there. How many of you feel what I'm talking about? You know, man, this is not good. We, we've, got to, we've got to dispose of this somehow out of your life. And, 
And you know what? God gives us the, the word, the proverbs, the wisdom on how to do it. Um, and, and the thing of it is, is that, is that we have to remove these things, these worldly things from our kids and let them know that this is not going to bless you. This is going to bring misery. This is going to bring death even to your life if you don't understand what God wants of us. And so God is trying to get heaven in us now. How many of you heard the term sanctification? You know, when we, when we, are, when we are, uh, are, are saved, we are justified before the Father. We're made right, okay? When you were born again, you're made right with the Father through Jesus. And now we're in this sanctification process where God wants to change us. And God wants to make us new. And God wants to transform us into what he, he sees in us, things that we can't even see within us. And he wants to get rid of all the familiar things that we've grown up being familiar with and accustomed to and adapted to and held on to. He wants to break us free of those things. But the Bible says that when Jesus comes back and we ascend with him and when we go to heaven, we will be glorified. Do you understand that? That means you will be totally, completely changed mentally, physically, spiritually, bodily, in every way that, that you can imagine. You'll be changed. You ever th I wonder what that's going to be like, you know? Is my butt going to be so big when this happens? You know, what am I going to weigh? Am I going to have this missing hair right here where I had staples? You know, I doubt it, you know, but I mean, like, how much different are we going to look at our best? I'm sure y'all thought about this, right? You've looked in the mirror and you're like, man, I hope this goes away in heaven, and I hope this goes away in heaven. But you know, the thing is, though, is that's, that's the problem with us today. We look at the external appearances. And in our life as Christians, you know what? You can, you can be sober, and you can be faithful to your wife, and you can be faithful to church, and you can give, and you can be nice, and you can do a lot of things, but still on the inside think you're getting away with a lot of wickedness and evil. Everybody say amen. Attitudes, offenses, walls, deceit. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is the things that aren't so external, we feel safe like we can get away with these things. Why? Because we feel like nobody can see them. But God sits on his throne and he looks and he knows the hearts of man. <laughs> I've confronted a lot of people that were clearly doing wrong things, saying, look, you're, this ain't right. And they go, well, God knows my heart. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm here. That's the problem. Your heart is made manifest. We don't realize how manifest our heart is made. The Bible says your sins will find you out. And, I mean, I, that freaked me out as a kid because my dad was already very prophetic. I mean, I, I could go out, I could go out, rob three banks, banks do a bag of Coke, uh, roll a car, and I would come home and dad said, so you robbed three banks, did a bag of Coke, and you rolled your car tonight. And I'm like, no, I didn't. You know, but he, he just, he had that ability. And that freaked me out. And I'm like, man, your sins will find you out. And I used to think, well, yeah, because well, if your dad's prophetic, for sure. If he just, you know, hears from the Lord. But, uh, but the reality of it is, is our sins find us out because we give ourselves away. We gives ourselves, or gives ourselves away. And I believe God is, God, is, God is way more gracious and merciful than you think. I don't think, God doesn't, God doesn't really respond the first time we, we, we begin to deal with things in our lives, but God gives us time to repent and to deal with and to, to move on. But sometimes we just get too safe in that. We presume upon His grace and His mercies, and we think, you know what? 
this is acceptable in my life. And, and God says, no, we've got we've to deal with that in your life. But it says, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son from whom he receives. And a lot of people today as Christians would think, if you're a Christian, you'll have no hardships, no sufferings or anything. And I want to read this to you in Hebrews 5.8. Listen to this. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Who's this talking about? Jesus. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Now, was there any sin in Jesus? No. So it wasn't that he had to have something brought out of him, but he had to prove that it was in him to begin with. And so in this life as Christians, we go through it, our hearts are proven to either be wrong or right before the eyes of the Lord in, in, in our lives and the way we go through it. And when we fail to recognize that or deal with that, the Lord, it says, does discipline the ones that he loves. Now, how, I don't like discipline. Do y'all like discipline? Marine Corps would, like, give you chance and stuff to make you think that you liked it, but I never liked it. Did you like it? You know, pain is weakness, leaving the body, and all these other things. They tried to make you feel comfortable about it, but in the reality of it is, is nobody likes to be disciplined. Nobody likes to be chastised. Nobody likes their butts whipped. And not only that, we don't even like to be told that we're wrong. We don't like being wrong because we're proudful. We're arrogant. We think we know better. And you know what? We, we become prideful. We become hard-headed. And we say, well, I'm, I'm good the way I am. And God says, let me change your heart. And we resist and we push and we strive. And God says, why do we got to go here? Why can't you just tap out and say, yes, sir? <laughs> how, many of you, how many of you have ever had to whip your kids just simply because they wouldn't say, yes, sir? You don't have to raise your hands. But you know what I'm talking about? Like your kid, you know, go do this, and they'll go. Or, or they just look and say, no, you know. And, it's just, and that's just that simple act of I am not submitting to you that you have to deal with it. You're like, thanks for ruining my day. I was going to go sit on the couch and enjoy myself. Now we got to deal with this. But Proverbs 13, 24 says this. Listen, God, t God chastises all of his people. Now, we're, we're going to see the why in a moment, but Proverbs 13, 24 says, whoever spares the rod, what? Hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. In other words, he takes it pretty seriously. He sees the importance. Because when you begin to see that if I don't discipline my kids, I'm not loving them enough to teach them what is right, and I'm setting them up for failure, maybe even death. Maybe even, you know, you're setting them up for something that, it, that is not going to be good unless they can see and understand the importance of, of authority because eventually we're trying to link them to the father heart of God and who he is in our lives but it says whoever spares the rod hates his son that's a pretty hard thing to chew for some people that if you don't spank your kids you hate your kids and I thought about that many times and the thing of it is is if we think that if someone loves us they'll they'll never do it now listen they shouldn't be out to hurt you the goal of discipline is not to hurt. It is painful, but the goal is not hurt. The goal is to train, to teach, to discipline, to change, to transform. Amen? So if someone's out to hurt you just to hurt you, then you need to get away from that person. 
But the person, but the, the problem is, though, is we as people, we don't know how to love enough. We watch our brothers and our sisters and our kids and our relationships. We watch people struggling and suffering and headed for death. But we, we say we love them, but we won't do anything to help them. We won't speak a word into their lives because we don't have the courage to love people when it necessitates us saying something. Because we've been trained to think that love has nothing to do with being hard. Love has nothing to do without, with, you know, with, with doing difficult things that's for the good of people. Love is for the good of someone. Love, love hurts sometimes. Love is painful. Love is humble. Love is, is caring about that person enough to do whatever is within your power, within your heart, within your resources to help that person to see them be where you want them to be. Amen? And while we just idly sit by, and the Bible talks about, you know, the Bible talks about encouraging one another and even reproving one another, but we don't want to say anything because we don't have the courage. And the reality of it is we don't want nobody saying to us. You know, the Bible talks about when you, before, you know, before you judge somebody, make sure you pull the plank out of your eye before you help them remove the speck. The reason why we don't want to remove no specks is because we got logs in our eyes. We don't want nobody talking about our logs, so we're just going to leave you. Know, just, I'm not going to say anything to you. You don't say anything to me. We'll just go on in peace. But that's not peaceful because Satan is growing and becoming cancerous and wreaking havoc in our lives, and nobody's doing anything to help. Can I get Amen. So God chastises every son, all of them. Is it just for fun? Is it all the time? You think God wants us to be miserable? You think that's his goal in life? No. God wants us to have the abundant life, but it's going to come through wisdom. It's going to come through his ways. It's going to come through us submitting and tapping out and obeying, saying, yes, Lord, this is the way I need to do things. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. How many of you want to be sons of God? You know, I guess I say this all the time. You go to Walmart and you see this kid just acting a fool and you're like, God, I would just... Of course, you may not have the right motives for whipping their butt because, you know, it's not about helping the kid. It's about your convenience of not having to listen to them, right? So we're already wrong right off the bat. But you can't just go into Walmart and whip people, right? Think about how hectic that would be if everybody had a free license just to whip anybody. Everybody, that, everybody would, it'd be like, it'd be like Old West. Everybody walking around with belts in their hands. You know, like you'd have one to hold up your pants and one in your hands. Like, I'm just ready to whip somebody. And every time somebody did something you didn't like, you just go to wailing on them, you know. But, uh, but you can't do that. Why? Because those aren't your kids. They're not your responsibility. And so we can't do that. And you know what? And it says here that God, God disciplines his kids. And it's a sign that we are his kids if you are his kids. So if, 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 if God is not interfering with your foolishness, that might be a red flag. Like, dang. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not be, be subject to the Father of spirits and live? That means submissive, obedient. Say, yes, Lord. 
For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. And we don't always get that right. I've disciplined my kids for my benefit, not theirs. And that's not the reason why we do that. You understand what I'm saying? Like for getting on my nerves or because it just in, they're inconveniencing me and I had to learn. That's, you, you, you discipline kids for rebellion, not for being kids. Kids come with many inconveniences. Kids are a pain in the butt. But for some reason, we still love the fire out of them. You know what I mean? We love them. I mean, they can't feed themselves. They can't use the bathroom. You got to bathe them. They're worse than a puppy. You know? But for some reason, we love them so much, and we still let them sleep with us and kick us in the back and break our necks and wake up miserable and say, we'll sleep with Daddy again tonight? You know? Because we love them. And... Um, but we need, to, we need to, you know, don't discipline kids out of inconvenience because they don't like the same vegetables as you do. You know, it's so funny. I, my whole life, eat all your food. Eat all your food. I go in the Marine Corps. Eat all your food. Now, you know what my problem is? I eat all my food. I eat all my food. I eat all of Christie's food. And so now when my kids are full, I'm like, get the heck out of here. Now, yeah, you're not going to eat ice cream before you eat your main course like your mama does, but, you know, Christy does. She eats her... Desserts always first. Y'all know we have church fellowships and, and, and we have food. And, you know, you, you go through the main course and you go to the dessert table and there's nothing there. The, Christy's one part of the problem there, you know. So she's, she's kind of proud of that thing. She's, she loves her dessert first. Yeah, see, she, she's, she's confessing in front of y'all. So it ain't me just making this up. For they, for they disciplined us a short time. Do what? Yeah, she's better on portions than me. I, I will confess that. She's way better on portions. Like, I like 10 to 1 better on portions. For, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our... Everybody say, good, good. He disciplines us for our good. And a lot of people can't make these spark plugs hit in their engines and in their brains, and they're like, this no good, you know. No, it's very good that we have a loving God that cares enough for us to discipline us. That's not what all the relationship's about. The relationship ain't just to, just, to, just to discipline us, but when it's necessary, it's necessary. And that shouldn't, be what, that shouldn't be what all your relationship is about with your kids, but it's part of it. Yeah, I was talking to a guy earlier, you know. You know, these relationships, they're not all teddy bears and butterflies. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's hard. And uh, sometimes there's some rebuke in there. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. So it's not to hurt you, but it is painful. It is hurtful. Who likes saying that they're wrong? Who likes saying that they're an idiot? You know? I'm trying to get to where I'm just used to this because it comes up often that I'm an idiot and that I'm wrong and that I'm a moron. And I'm just trying to learn that, you know what, I'm not always right and I'm not always the smartest guy. And when God rebukes me, no matter how, how it is, I have to say, yes, Lord, you're right. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Think about that. Is the life of disobedience peaceful? No, it's not. Peace comes through understanding 
that there's a cost to foolishness. There's a cost to, to being hurtful and harmful to other people, to being selfish. But godly discipline, not the second thing, the first one is God chastises every son, but number two is godly discipline produces what? Righteousness. Not just righteousness, but the peaceful fruit of righteousness. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. I do not know how it went. My girls are so peaceful. They're crazy, but they're peaceful. They're very sarcastic. I don't know where that came from, but they're peaceful. I mean, Callie, man, was just... My girls, I would have to, like... It'd be quiet in my house, and I'm like, "Who is there anybody here? Am I the only one here? And I'd go, this is Cammie when she's like four. I'd go, Cammie! And here's a four-year-old. She'd go, sir! <laughs> like, okay, just making sure that you're here. You know, we had this thing because they, they weren't, they weren't, and, and listen, so Nathan, Nathan's just, Nathan will tear down your house, your barn, and all the produce in it. You know what I mean? Nathan's just wired that way. And, um, but, you know, I mean, not everybody, not every kid's the same. I mean, you can have a good kid, but he's still wild. You know, he still kind of can't sit still. So I don't know how I'm so blessed to have that. I mean, that that just came from Christy's nature. Cause me, I got whipped four or five times a day because I was always tearing stuff up. But man, I'm like, I don't know how I was so blessed uh, to to have that. But uh, but also we 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 discipline our kids, and 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 they know what's what's right and what ain't right. And and you know what? It's peaceful. When your kids understand that. It's peaceful when your kids know how to, how to just not be rebellious. I mean, my dad, I, w- I, was a, I was a wild son of a gun. I was probably more like Nathan than I care to realize. But my dad could do this. And I would just fall de- dead on the floor. Like, I'm not going to move until he tells me to. Because I, I knew there was going to be a repercussion there. And he didn't do that all the time. When we, you know, when I was at the house, I could play. But when we, were, when we were in certain places where it wasn't time for that, he'd say, hey, shut it down. Okay. You know? I'm like a robot. He just pulled the juice out of. And, uh, you know, and it was peaceful. I wasn't causing havoc and chaos everywhere I went. But God produce, God's godly discipline, discipline produces righteousness. Peaceful. Everybody say Peaceful. Peaceful righteousness. All right, let's go to Hebrews 12, 11. I'm going to go back over 11 again. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. I mean, how many of you remember getting whipped as a kid? I think a lot of stuff people do today is not disciplined because it's not painful. And the kid ain't learning. All the kid is learning how to be patient so I can be bad again. Not learning anything. I am just on pause right now until I can ruin your life again. There, it says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And here's the key: to those who have been trained by it. What good is discipline if we're not being trained by it? If we're not learning from it? Verse 12 says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint. You see, that's not the purpose is to disjoint you and to break you. The the purpose is to heal you. That's why there's a difference between spanking your kids and just harming your kids. 
You understand what I'm saying? It's not child abuse. Child abuse breaks. Child abuse destroys. Discipline heals because they understand this is not the way to do things. And so the number three thing I want to tell you is our response determines the outcome. Our response determines the outcome. If God disciplines us, he's looking for a response to say, yes, Lord. And the sooner the better. Oh, my gosh. I remember, uh, man, have you ever seen any disciplinary sessions turn into really, really long because the kid refused to do, like, one thing? Like, they start bartering with you. I'm good on 95%, but this 5%, no, I ain't, I'm, not, I'm not cashing in on this deal. I'm like, and, and you're like, okay, well, yeah, you are. You know, and, and, and they, they just push it, and they push it, you know. And, and I was kind of like that at times in my life. And Dad's like, no, son, you will be, you're going to be a broke horse before we leave because, because he knew that if I, if, I could, if I could throw him before I submitted, that just made me stronger for the next go-round, you know. What happens to a horse if, he just, if you just let him keep throwing you and throwing you and throwing you? He understands that I can always win, and, and it's no different than kids. It's no different than us. It's no different than people. But for the moment, uh, it, but it says, to those who have been trained by it, our response determines the outcome. Proverbs 15.10 says, there is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. How many of you have ever forsook the way and you got disciplined because of it? You know, how does God discipline? That's a good question. It's a very good question. God never came down to my bedroom with a belt and says, hey, son. Bend over the bed. We've got to square this away. He's done it in various. He's very creative. And he doesn't design and create things that are ineffective. Like timeouts. And stuff like that. He knows how to make it efficient. He knows how to, he knows how to make it memorable. And if you're hard-headed like me, he knows how to make it very memorable. Like, you know, I'll be like, I got it, I got it. And he's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Understand. This is not my will. This is not the way. And you are not going to prosper with that kind of attitude or mentality. But it says, There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way, but whoever hates it, whoever hates reproof will die. You know what? If, if, if you are rebuked by an earthly father or, a, or a, just a brother or, or somebody in the family of God, and there's ways to do that correctly, but you know what? I've tried to say it in thousands of different ways, but there's no way of telling somebody they're wrong that they like it. I don't care how sweet it is. It don't matter. They're either going to receive it and say, yes, you're right, or they're going to froth at the mouth and throw punches. It just don't matter. Not to say that you should not care about how you do it. There are, there's a way to do it in love. But, you know, sometimes you've got <laughs> sometimes people don't just say, yeah, you're right. You have to contest for what's going on but here's the deal if somebody comes to you in truth with the word of god and says look i love you man but you know you're wrong you need to learn to say yes lord you see we make it so if william comes up and and brings the word of god into my life and says hey man you know what the word of god says what i want to do to justify myself is make it about me and william yeah because who's william he's just william I'm not going to acknowledge the fact that William's trying to bring the truth of God into my life. I'm just going to say, yeah, that's just William. I'm going to keep it down to William's level. That way I can justify not acknowledging this. But in reality, I'm telling God to kiss my honey, and I'm not going to do what he wants me to do. 
You see what I'm saying? It's easy to deflect. It's easy to justify. It's easy to defend ourselves when we don't see the truth. Truth is truth. All wisdom comes from above. God is truth. Truth is truth. It doesn't matter who brings it up or how it gets to you. It's how you deal with it. Proverbs 15.5 says, A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. In other words, they're wise. Wise people can take rebuke. You know, I'm 45 years old, and I have not mastered taking rebuking. I'm just going to be honest with you. And God, God is, God, I'll go through seasons in my life, and God will show up and speak, whether it be through a brother or my, my earthly father or whoever, and, 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 and it'll be things that, that they're, they're blind spots. My wife might even bring something up and say, you know, and dude, she is, that is this woman loves me. I don't know why. Y'all pray for her. But she, she comes to me and says, hey, Chad, dude, like you're eating like a pig. You're killing yourself or something like that. I'm like, whatever. You're just being silly. And then I go to put my pants on and the button blows out of them. I'm like, man, maybe I ought to listen to my wife, you know. But, 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 but even things deeper than that. You know, my wife knows me better than anybody. She lives with me. She knows my heart, my attitudes, my affections. She knows when I'm getting off course. or She knows when I'm getting distracted. And, uh, and, and the deal is, is, is it's real easy to say, well, it's just Christy speaking into my life. But the reality is it's the truth that she's bringing into my life. And so the, 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 the thing of it is, is that God, God disciplines his kids because he loves them. God, uh, he disciplines us for righteousness, for peaceful righteousness, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And our actions of how we respond to discipline in our lives determines if we're going to have that peaceful fruit of righteousness. Amen? And I believe this, for us to be effective fathers, we've got to work at being better sons. We can't have this mentality, well, I'm a father now, so I don't have to listen to nobody. I don't need nobody speaking into my life. If no one is speaking into your life, you're going to have blind spots. It is amazing how you can have blind spots and you're totally inact, you're active in them, you're engaged in them, and totally not see them, what you're doing to yourself and in yourself, without somebody to come up and say, hey, dude, <laughs> check, your, check your six. You're blind over here. How many of you agree with what I'm saying? How many of you ever found yourself in a place, and you're like, how in the heck did I get there? How could I be so, so blind? Satan is, a, a, Satan is the author of confusion. He is deceptive. He is a deceiver. You, you, you can think you're 100% right and be 100% wrong at the same time. That's why we need to listen to God's word. We need to be submitted to his fatherhood. We need to, have, we need to submit to our earthly fathers. We need to submit to our spiritual fathers. Uh, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 4, 15 through 17 says this. He says, for though you have countless guides in Christ. I'm going to tell you what, there's, there's millions and billions and trillions of people out there that are guides. They'll tell you what to do. They'll tell you their opinions. They might even throw some scripture in there. And they're trying to guide you and whatnot. But the problem is, is they are not sons of God. I mean, they don't, they, they don't know sonship well. Therefore, they cannot be a father to someone. They can't replicate that. And that's what I'm talking about. We need to quit being guides and we need to become fathers. We need to become mothers. We need to, we need to be what we're trying to create in other people. It says, you do not have many fathers. 
He says, there's a lot of guides, but you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Now, what is he saying be imitators of? That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. So what he's saying is this, is I'm your father. I'm Timothy's father in, in the in, in spiritual father, right? I'm his mentor. And, and he is my child, but he's going to come be your father. He's going to come mentor you. Why? Because he's a good son. He's a good son, therefore he is qualified to be a good father to the church because he is a good son to his father in heaven, but also his spiritual father. You see, he's not just a guide. He's qualified to be a father because he's qualified to be a godly son. And that's the way God wants us to work. God wants us to be what we can reproduce, not only in our houses, but anywhere. But you know what? Not everybody has an earthly father. Not everybody has somebody to speak into their life. But you know what? We need to quit being little guys, and we need to raise up and be fathers and mentors and mothers and mentors. The old should be teaching the young, and it shouldn't be personal opinion. It shouldn't be anything other than this is what the word of the Lord says. And we should do that with integrity, and we should do that with motivation, and we should do that with understanding that we're helping people to be what God wants them to be. Amen? But why do we not do that? You know, the biggest thing, there, there are people, you know, you can, it's, it's amazing how Satan works. You, I mean, you can have a great relationship with somebody in church, like I'm from my angle, from being a pastor. Man, you'll come up every week and shake my hand and be all nice. And then all of a sudden, the only time I see you is on the other side of the sanctuary. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist, but, I mean, wouldn't you, and, and I don't want to assume anything, but wouldn't you think that something changed? And that's the way all of us are. That's the way I am. You know, my dad, when my, when my mind's in the gutter and, and I'm not, you know, mentally where I should be, I will. I'll start, I'll start spacing. Why? Because I don't want him to bring to my attention what I already know. Yeah? And that's why we avoid some people. And what we do is we justify it by saying, well, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna correct me and that's just me. No, it ain't. God disciplines the one whom he loves. And if all we allow in our life are people that just blow smoke up our skirts and speak well of us and don't say anything that's going to challenge us, even when we're wrong, that's not the only kind of people we need in our life. Matter of fact, they need fathers. They need mentors. They need somebody challenging them in their life. We need it all. We need encouragement. We, re we need to be reproofed when we're doing wrong. Now, if you're being reproofed about stuff that you're not doing wrong, well, that ain't right. Amen? I mean, but, but when you're doing wrong, you need to say, yeah, you're right. We need to learn to humble ourselves and not be proud and receive the truth of God, however it comes to us, and say, yep, that's right. And understand that, you know what, for me to do that, I'm going to have to be subject to the people that God puts in my life to speak into my life. We think, Will. Yeah. Will, where would you be if nobody spoke into your life? You'd be dead and still have a mullet. You know? There's no telling where I would be. There's no telling where Christy would be. You know what I mean? There's no telling where any of us would be. But I'm going to tell you what. There is a, there is, God wants to do so much in our lives. 
but because of pride. You see what happens? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't want to be around somebody because they're just going to tell me what I need to hear. And I don't want to hear that right now. That just means that you're comfortable where you're at, and you should be comfortable. Right? See, so you see how Satan works in our lives, and Satan messes with our heads. And you can be at one moment, you can be, you know, you can be on the mountain with God, and the next minute you can be down in the ditch with the devil. It, it, it happens because of our attitudes and, and our pride and our not acknowledging what God is trying to speak into our lives and not tapping out when God says, hey, you need to repent of what's going on. Repentance has been made an evil word in the church. Repentance is the best friend you have. The Bible says when you fall, go back to where you have fallen. Repent, amen, and do the works that you once did. And you know what? The Bible says that... that that the righteous man falls seven times, there's going to go, be something go awry in your life and in your mind and your heart in your Christian walk. But the Bible says, I write these things to you that you may not sin, but when you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father whose name is Jesus. Amen? And Jesus is interceding for us to the Father. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by Him. But when you have Jesus, you are connected to and have a way to the Father because of Jesus, amen. And so there's no sense in us staying in our in in our in our ruts and in our in our in our in our rebellion and all these things. We should receive wisdom and receive the fatherhood of God and repent and say yes, Lord, when He disciplines us. No matter how that goes. You see, people always what we want to do is when something bad happens, we just want to blame the devil. Oh, that's the devil. You know. And never ask ourselves, Lord, are you trying to get my attention right here? Are you trying to speak wisdom into my life? Am I rebelling? Am I being hard-headed? Am I being prideful? Whatever is it. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. You know, I'm 45 years old, and I'm a pastor. I have an earthly father who was also my spiritual father. I'm a child of God. I am a father to two beautiful girls, and I'm also a spiritual father to a congregation at Gateway Church. And if I don't learn how to be a better son, it's going to affect me being a father in all those different platforms. If I don't learn how to submit to the way that God wants me to submit, if I don't learn to tap out when God brings something into my life the way I ought to, it affects my ability to father my girls, and, and even you guys. And you know what? As long as I live, there'll always be something, you know, that God's wanting to work on. But you know what? Why prolong it? Wouldn't it be neat if we could just go from lesson to lesson to lesson to lesson? But how many times do we repeat the same lesson over and over and over again and not allow God to change us? You know, I'm not telling you that you've got to be perfect. But your attitude means a lot. You know, David, it says, was a man after God's own heart. And you, you try to figure that one out. He committed murder, had an adultery. He, he did several things that were wrong. But his attitude toward God made the difference. And he learned from that mistake. And he had to suffer for it the rest of his life. But he never got an attitude with God. He just kept moving forward. And that's what all God wants from us, is to understand who he is and what he wants to do in our life. 
But how many of you guys would say, you know what, I want to be a better father? How many of you today would say, I'd like to be that? Amen. How many of you realize, more even more so than that, I need to become a better son? Let me see a show of hands there. Women too. I know it's Father's Day, but this sonship stuff, we're talking about our relationship to God. You know, a lot of people responded last service knowing that, man, my only hope in being a better father is me learning to be a better son because we can't reproduce something that we're not, and that's all God wants to do. God wants us to be better sons so that we can father better sons. So this is what I want you to do. We're not going to make a big deal out of it or anything, but whatever's on your heart. How many of you is the Holy Spirit speaking in your heart something that you need to do in your life? Just raise your hands and say, that's me. Several of you. Well, listen, let today be the day that you make a decision. Let today be the day that you accept the fatherhood of God. Let today be the day that you accept His Word and say, you know what? I'm going to obey this Word and not fight it. I'm going to submit to it. And just like last service, I want you to come in a moment and just get on the altar and just between you and God say, Lord, I want to submit in this area of my life. I want to be a better son or daughter so that I can be a better father or mother and mentor to what you want my kids to be. So as everyone stands, and Sharisha just leads us in a short song, if that's you, just come to the altar and go before the Lord and let him do what he wants to do in your life. Father, Lord, just, just teach us to be good sons and daughters. Lord, help us to create good sons and daughters. Lord, minister to our lives. Lord, let us not defend ourselves when we're wrong. Let us not be prideful. Let us be submissive and quick to obey and quick to learn as you teach us, Lord, about becoming like your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.